0: All right, so how many of you have ever had gotten an invitation to a party? Okay, all right. How many of you like getting invitations to a party? All right, now, how many of you have ever gotten an invitation to a party and thought, I really don't want to go, but you said yes anyway? Anybody? That's like, I really don't want to go, but I'm going to say yes. And how many of you have ever gotten an invitation to a party, said yes, and didn't show up? Some of you are brave enough to raise your hands, and like someone's looking across the room going, I knew it! I invited you, you didn't show up. It's funny, I, you know, I was, I was playing around on the internet a little bit this weekend, and, and, and I, I came across this, I like this. It says, being an adult is mostly, one, being exhausted, two, wishing you hadn't made plans, and three, wondering how you hurt your back. <laughs> how true is that, right? You know, it's like, uh, wishing you hadn't made plans. It's like, I made plans, I'm supposed to go to this party, and I just don't want to go. Uh, and, or this, adult goals. Uh, going to bed early, not leaving my house, and not going to a party. My childhood punishments have become my adult goals. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it's like going to bed early, not having to go to the party that I said I was going to go to. You know, but people when, people love to have parties. We love to throw parties. We love to go to parties for the most part. Uh, I find that the older I get, the more introverted I'm becoming. I used to be like a real party guy, extroverted go out you know the life of the party lampshade up maybe not but um so i you know just and and the older i get the more these have become my adult goals of just staying home going to bed early i am an early to bed early to rise kind of guy there are no worms at five thirty, but i'm still getting up then um but i yes thank you early bird gets the worm okay all right my there are worms um so when it comes to going to parties and and, and, and and being invited to parties and not showing up, it, it's kind of rude, you know, to not go to a party that you said you were going to, that you RSVP'd and said you were going to go, uh, and then but something came up. Uh, I read on the internet some uh, interesting excuses that people made for not go, attending a destination wedding. Uh, one of them was that the wedding wedding was going to take place down in Mexico and this family didn't want to go. And so what they did was they ended up, they said, sorry, we're having a family vacation. We're going on family vacation. And they hadn't planned the family vacation yet. So they went to the great lengths of actually planning a family vacation uh, at the same time as this wedding so they wouldn't have to go. How much do you not want to go to a wedding that you would say, we're going to plan an entire family vacation instead? Now, there's other excuses people have given, uh, such as, you know, I'm having uh, surgery or this, that, or the other thing. One of them I saw was explosive diarrhea. Explosive diarrhea was their excuse for not going to a wedding. Now, I want to know, when did they get the invitation, and when did they RSVP know? Because if it's like a year from now, how do you explain that? Yeah, I'm planning on having some bad Indian food the night before your wedding, and so I'm probably not going to be able to make it. That's intentional right there. But when it comes to excuses, and, and sometimes we make lame excuses for why we don't want to do something. We'll make lame excuses for why we don't want to go somewhere. We'll make lame excuses for why we don't want to go to a party. And if you have ever made a lame excuse for not going somewhere? I have. Um, never to church. Never to church. Right? Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, we don't make, we're not supposed to make lame excuses for not going to church. We're not supposed to make lame excuses for not giving our lives to Jesus. But people do. And people do come up with some interesting excuses for why they cannot do something or why they can't go to a party or why they can't go to a banquet, why they can't go to a, an anniversary party or a wedding. Uh, people come up with all kinds of lame excuses. Well, yeah, just be honest and say you don't want to go. I just don't want to go. But then you're worried, well, I'm going to hurt their feelings. Instead, they find out that you made a lame excuse and their feelings are hurt twice. Now, when it comes to our faith, when it comes to God, we need to cut down on lame excuses. This morning, we are going to talk about our next parable in the book of Luke. And we're going to talk about guess who's coming to dinner, and I'll get into that in just a little bit. But we've been studying the parables of Jesus in the book of Luke here on Sunday mornings, uh, and what we're going to talk about today is 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 an important parable in light of the way things are going in our world, um, and 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 really. I want to talk about lame excuses Now we've, we've been, if this is your first time here today We've been looking at parables in the book of Luke And a parable is just a, a short story that Jesus told it, it, It's a, a simple story using everyday objects that reveal big truths And so we're going to talk about a big truth today About who Jesus wants to invite to his banquet Who Jesus wants to invite to his party uh, So we're going to look at this today It's in Luke chapter 14 And it's in verses... Uh, 15 to 24. So we're in Luke 14, 15 through 24. This is the parable of the great banquet. Now, if you brought a Bible, great, grab it and turn to Luke 14. If you didn't bring a Bible, you can grab one under the chair in front of you. It's on page 739. Uh, or you can always use your favorite app on your smartphone or tablet. You can look up either U Version or Bible Gateway, um, and uh, we will get you all set up. Um, so we are in Luke chapter 14 verses 15 to 24 and I want to talk about a little bit about the setting of, of what is going on and where Jesus is at this time he is at the house of a Pharisee and now we talked a little bit about who the Pharisees are this summer uh, the Pharisees were a, a, a Jewish a, a sect of the Jewish faith uh, these guys were uh, the Holy Joe's um, they really uh, were into following rules uh, as much as they could uh, they interpreted the 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 bible they interpreted the the torah the 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 old testament scriptures and they created all these rules that people had to follow over 600 rules over 600 rules to follow and to remember and to follow so over 600 rules you had to follow and the pharisees were legalistic as all get out they were legalistic to following these rules they're going to they're going to follow the rules strictly The problem is they, as Jesus said, neglected the weightier matters of the law. They neglected the weightier matters of Scripture, such as mercy and justice and loving God and loving people. They were more interested in following rules than they were in loving God and loving people. You ever meet anybody like that? I can follow all the rules, and I can follow them to a T, but ask me to love somebody? Ask me to commit myself to Jesus ask myself ask me to commit myself to loving God and loving people and they don't want to do it so Jesus is at the home of a Pharisee and there is a man there in this home who is afflicted with a condition as it says in the NIV dropsy and that's what we call edema nowadays and that's when the uh, soft tissues fill up with fluid the soft tissues in your body fill, fill up with fluid uh, it can, it's very painful. It causes the skin to swell. Uh, it also uh, contributes to congestive heart failure. Uh, you've heard of this edema, right? Uh, so this is what this guy has. He has edema. Now, he is here at this house, and Jesus notices him and says, I'm going to heal this guy. And he asks the Pharisees a question. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And they don't say a word. Now, they're trying to trip him up. They're trying to get him to break one of their laws so that he can; they can uh, have reason to accuse him, and eventually they do, and they crucify him. So they are trying to trip Jesus up, and uh, they don't respond though. When he asks him, "Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath?" He doesn't; they don't say anything. So he goes ahead and he heals this man, and then he asks the Pharisees a question: "If your ox, if your ox was in trouble on a Sunday, on, on a Sabbath? I'm sorry, on a Sabbath." If your ox was in trouble on the Sabbath, would you help it? Again, they don't say anything. And so Jesus goes on and he he talks about uh, the importance of of, uh, loving people. Um, And then he starts talking about a banquet in in verse uh, 8. He says, he talks about a wedding feast uh, and inviting the right people and and not inviting the wrong people. And he says, you should invite the lame and the crippled and the blind because they can never pay you back. That if you invite only the wealthy and the rich you know they're going to invite you back to their party. And Jesus says you should invite those who can't repay you. And so then we come up to verse 15. Verse 15 says this. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, and he's going to tell him a parable. A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. So this Pharisee says, Blessed are those who are going to be at the, at the great feast, at the great banquet. And of course he's referring to himself, and he's referring to his fellow Pharisees. Of course we're going to be at the great banquet. We deserve to be at the great banquet because we are God's chosen people and we are the best of God's chosen people. We are the ones who follow the rules. And so we deserve to go to this great banquet. And so Jesus says, let's, let's see about that. And he tells them this parable. And a man is going to throw a, a, a big feast. He's going to throw a, a big banquet. Uh, and he goes out and he invites all of his friends. Now, in those days, you would send two invitations to a banquet. Your first invitation would be to tell you, it's kind of like a save the date. By the way, we're going to have a banquet coming up in six months. My daughter's getting married. We're going to have this great big feast. And uh, so in six months, we're going to have this banquet. And you would RSVP at that time. I'll be there. And then you would send a second invitation that once everything was ready to go, once the meal was ready, you would then send out your servants to go and grab everybody and say, okay, the party's ready. It's time to come to the party. So there are two invitations. The first is the initial invitation to save the date. We're going to have this party. You RSVP? Yep, I'm coming. And then the second invitation is, you know, the party's ready. Time to come to the party. And it was considered very rude to turn down an invitation and to not RSVP. So everybody says, yes, we're going to be there. Jesus continues on in his parable with a little bit of a, well, the responses. But they all alike, verse 18, but they all alike began to make excuses. Excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. So we got three different excuses. The first is a man says, I've just bought a field and I've got to go check it out. Now, how many of you have ever bought a house? Anybody bought a house here today? All right, I assume you bought a house or property. Uh, how many of you bought the house sight unseen? That doesn't happen, right? You're not going to buy your house sight unseen. You're going to go and you're going to go check it out. You're going to walk through. You're going to have an appraisal done. You're going to have uh, inspection done. I highly recommend getting a termite inspection done. Just saying. House was eaten by termites eight years ago. Never mind. Um, so uh, you're going to have an inspection done. You're going to check out the house before you buy it. This guy says, I just bought a field. I got to go inspect it. That's a lame excuse. Why would you buy the field site unseen? Why wouldn't you go and inspect the field first? And sure enough, he says, I can't come. Uh, the second guy says, I have just bought five yoke of oxen. Now, that's ten oxen. Most people in those days would own one, maybe two oxen. This guy just bought ten. He's a very wealthy individual. I got to go try him out. It's a lame excuse. It reveals that his priorities are not the relationship he has with the man throwing the banquet. No, instead, he makes a lame excuse because he could have easily sent one of his servants to go try out the oxen. He makes a lame excuse. The third guy says, I just got married. I can't come to the banquet. You didn't know six months ago when I sent this invitation that you were going to get married? You didn't know that this was coming up? I understand you want to spend time with your new bride. I understand you want to spend time as a family. But you knew this was coming up. You knew that this event was going to happen. And now you're making a lame excuse. You're putting, a, pri- you're, you're putting a, a, a higher priority on this than you are my banquet. So the host of the party is obviously upset. Everybody is saying, I don't want to come to your party. Let's keep, let's keep reading. Verses 21 and 22. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, What you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Now, this is the second invitation. That what Jesus is talking about here is himself. That the the first invitation was given through the law and the prophets, through Moses and the prophets. And that was to the Jews of Jesus' day. Uh, It was to the Jewish people that God had invited them to his banquet. And when the time came, when Jesus came on the scene, they rejected him and they made excuses as to why they couldn't follow him. And so the second invitation was given to a wider group of people, to the outcasts, to the ostracized, to the oppressed. You see, the, the Jews had rejected Jesus and so the, the Jewish leaders and the teachers of the law and the chief priests and the Pharisees had all rejected Jesus. And now Jesus says, fine, I'll go to the, to the sinners, to the crippled, to the lame, to the blind, to the weak, to the ostracized, the oppressed, and the outcast. I will take my message to them. And sure enough, they responded. We see that throughout the Gospels, that the people who were looked down upon and the people who were uh, outcasts were invited into the the kingdom of God, and they responded in the affirmative. But there was still room, the servant said. There's still room, there's still more room. Look at verses 23 and 24. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and make them come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those men who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. And there's the twist. We see Jesus prophesying that the invitation is going to go out even further. The invitation is going to go beyond the Jewish people to the Gentiles. And sure enough, in the book of Acts, we see that happen. We see the Gentiles welcomed into the family of God and welcomed into the kingdom of God. And so, you and I are here today because we are Gentiles. We are here today because the invitation went out. The invitation went further. It wasn't just... uh, God desires that his house be full he desires that his banquet table be full he wants everybody to come in he wants everyone to experience this he wants everyone to to discover who Jesus is and and to make a have a relationship with him so the twist is down in verse 24 I tell you, not one of those men who were invited will get a taste of my banquet, that those who initially were invited, the ones who rejected Jesus Christ as Savior, the ones who rejected Jesus Christ as the Messiah, would not be welcomed at the banquet. They're the ones who believe that they deserve to be there. They're the ones that it's our lineage, it's our, it's our, it's our heritage. We deserve to be there. And Jesus says, you're not going to be there. But the ones that you look down on, the ones that you alienate, the ones that you ostracize, they're the ones who will be there. You know, I think about heaven sometimes. How many of you ever think about heaven? Anybody think about heaven? I think about heaven sometimes, and I, I think to myself, it's, it's going to be great it's gonna be wonderful. Uh, no eye has seen, no ear has, or no mind has conceived of what God has planned for his people. I, I don't know. I, I, I can think of an awful lot. I'm thinking like giant chocolate fountains at least. Um, but you know, I, I think about who's gonna be there. And, and and I think about who might not be there and and in my limited understanding, you know, I, I wanna have an idea, I want to, I want everybody to be there. I want everybody to be there. One of the slogans of the Christian church uh, is we are not we are Christians only, we're not the only Christians. We're not the only Christians, we're Christians only. And I think there are some people in our movement in the Christian church who don't believe that. They believe that, no, we're the only ones going to heaven. And that's not true. When we say we're not the only Christians, we're Christians only, it means that we only wear the name Christian. We don't wear the name Baptist or Methodist or Catholic or Presbyterian or Lutheran. It just means we wear the name of Christian only. But we're not the only Christians. And I believe that God's grace is much wider than we give it credit for. I believe that God's grace is much wider than we understand. So now, when it comes to this idea of making excuses... I think we need to stop making excuses for the people that we don't want to be a part of our church. So I want to talk to three groups of people, or two groups of people real quick. Um, the first thing I, I want to talk uh, to you if, you if you don't know who Jesus is. If you don't know Jesus, if you don't know him yet, um, I want you to know that you're invited. You are invited. And when I say you, I mean all of you. We are all invited to God's banquet. We are all invited to God's party. And you are invited to God's party. So uh, the question I have is, have you accepted the invitation yet? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He died for your sins? Have you uh, repented of your sins and turned away from sin and turned to God for forgiveness? Have you confessed your faith, acknowledged Jesus publicly, and been baptized for the forgiveness of your sins? Have you done that yet? Have you obeyed Christ fully? Uh, Have you surrendered your life to Him? Are you following Him? Are you loving Him? Are you loving people? Are you loving Him by loving people? Or are you making excuses? You know, Jesus wants everyone to be at His banquet. He wants everyone to be at His party. And it's so important that we understand this. It is so important that we as a church grasp this. That Jesus wants everyone at His party. And so if you haven't made a decision to follow Jesus yet, you need to do that. You need to surrender your life to Jesus Christ and and RSVP in the affirmative for his party. And so maybe the reason you haven't is you're making excuses. Well, don't make excuses. Don't make excuses as to why uh, you can't uh, follow Jesus. Don't make excuses as to why you don't want to follow him. If you believe in him, have you obeyed him? If you trust in him, have you obeyed him? And maybe you're at the point where you're just saying, you know what, I, I'm not ready to make that commitment yet. Uh, I, you know, my excuse is that uh, I know too many Christians. I know too many Christians who are hypocrites, and so I, I don't know. I don't necessarily want to follow Jesus because I know too many Christians who are hypocrites. Or maybe I don't want to follow Jesus because, you know, I. I don't know that, uh, that he's real. What is your excuse? What excuses are you making? Um, you know, maybe your excuse is, I'm too far gone. I, I sin too much. I got news for you. You're the reason Jesus came. You're the reason he came. In, in, in Luke chapter 5, verses 31 and 32, it says this. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to Repentance. Jesus came for you. If you say, I'm a sinner, I'm a terrible sinner, and, and Jesus could never forgive me, He's the very, you're the very reason he came. It's to save sinners. Sinners like us. Sinners like you. Sinners like me. That's why he came, was to save us. He didn't come to, to, to call the healthy. He didn't come to fix the healthy. He came to fix the sick. In 1 John 4, 19, it says, We love because he first loved us. That Jesus loves us first. You may think to yourself, I gotta get my act cleaned up first. I gotta get my act together first. I gotta stop this sin or that sin. I gotta stop this habit or this addiction. And I gotta clean up my act first. No, you don't. You're already loved. And you can't clean up your act enough for Jesus. You can't. Or you may think you can. You may think, oh yeah, I, I you know, once I get this under control, once I get this habit taken care of, once I get this addiction, cleaned up. Once I get this sin uh, out of my life, then I can come to Jesus. Then he'll accept me. No, we love because he first loved us. He loved you first. And so stop making excuses. And I say to you what Ananias said to the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 22 verse 16. It says, and now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away calling on his name, calling on the name of the Lord, calling on the name of the Lord Jesus. What are you waiting for? Stop making excuses and come to Jesus. So the last group I want to talk to, this other group I want to talk to, is if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you've put your faith and trust in Him, you've received His gift of salvation by, by God's grace uh, through faith in Him, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, well, I want you uh, to commit yourself to this idea that everyone is welcome. We need to welcome everyone into God's family. We need to welcome everyone. Everyone into GFCC that we can, and so I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. You're welcome here. I don't care what color your skin is. I love you, no matter what. I don't care how old you are, young or old. You're welcome here. I don't care, man or woman. You're welcome here. Everyone is welcome here. And as a church, we need to be about the business of welcoming everyone to the banquet table. We need to be about welcoming everyone to the feast. And we will not make excuses either. Well, we don't want those people at our table. We don't want those people at our banquet. We don't want those people. No, everyone will be welcomed at GFCC. Everyone. And that's hard to say. And it's hard to do. But if Jesus welcomes us all at the foot of the cross, then we need to welcome everyone into his church. Because remember whose church it is. It's his. And if we, if Jesus will welcome us at his banquet table in heaven, then we, we need to welcome everyone to his church here on earth. If Jesus will welcome everyone to his table in heaven, then we need to welcome everyone to his church here on earth. And so there's no room, folks. There's no room for racism at GFCC. There's no room for ageism at GFCC. There's no room for sexism at GFCC. There's no room for hatred of any kind at GFCC. The only thing we're going to hate is sin. And we're going to love people. We may hate sin, but we're going to love sinners. Because we're all sinners. Anybody here not a sinner? Don't raise your hand. You will be lying in church and that will make you a sinner. So put your hand, hand back down. We're all sinners. And Jesus has welcomed us all to his table. And he has welcomed us in spite of our sin. And he has offered to forgive our sin. And so, my encouragement to us today, my encouragement to us as a church family, is that we desperately need uh, to stop making excuses. And we need to welcome everyone so that everyone will know and hear and believe and repent and confess and get baptized and they will put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And they can experience the great banquet of heaven. Remember, Jesus is going to welcome us there and we need to welcome people here. Uh, Bill Hybels, uh, pastor of Willow Creek Church, said the local church is the hope of the world. The local church is the hope of the world we have an offer and an invitation of hope to this great banquet that Jesus is going to throw. So whether you are, haven't accepted his invitation yet, stop making excuses, accept his invitation. Or whether you're not sure about welcoming this person or that person, stop making excuses and just start loving people. And welcome them here so that Jesus will welcome us all at his banquet.